even in the places that you feel like you are trapped or sidelined or set aside or can't move forward, even in those places, God has a plan for you and he has a message for you. How many of you can name a parent or grandparent's favorite hymn? A couple of you? How many of you have a favorite hymn or song? A few more of you, okay. Oh, my mother's favorite hymn was, In My Heart There Rings a Melody. In my heart there rings a melody. And it goes on, and that's a pretty, pretty lit, lilting tune. And Likely, those raised their hands, but uh, you know what it is to have a favorite song. It doesn't have to be something like that. Uh, may have been one of those we sang this morning. Um, but if you're like me, uh, your favorite tends to change over time. Uh, perhaps you become acquainted with a new song and uh, it begins to speak to you in a way that you hadn't been spoken to before. Or it's, uh, uh, something is affecting your, your mood or your life at that point. And the words ring true, perhaps in a way that hadn't been before. Um, the message captures us at a time when we need that. How many of you have been touched by a song like that? You just, it just hit the right song at the right time. So, yeah. it, it's that part of feeling different over time which often affects us. Our mood at the time says a lot to us um, about what songs we sing or listen to on the radio or in, on our iPods or whatever we're listening to lately. The rest of us can learn a lot about you by the songs you, you sing or the, 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 the songs you put on Facebook that you're listening to. By the way, Facebook and other social media loves it when you do that. They love it when you put your favorite book or favorite movie or favorite song in because the, their algorithms are tied more to what you might do in the future and they market stuff to you that way. It's true. The ancient Israelites were really no different from us in that respect. We can learn a lot about a culture by the music that culture listens to, by the music that culture produces. If I were to stand up here and do a polka, you might think I'm from Eastern Europe and, and Poland perhaps or Germany. In fact, if you want to learn a, a new language, Try listening to their music. M music has a way of infecting you and infusing in your life, and, uh, and it, the rhythmic pattern gets ingrained in you. And it just becomes part of you. Uh, what happens when we eliminate music from our lives? My son has this favorite thing from the original... Uh, Star Wars series, not the, not the first one, but like The Empire Strikes Back or something like that. And, and, and Luke and, and Hans are being awarded by Princess Leia their, their medallion of honor. And it's, it's in, the, in the original Star Wars movie, it's, it's a very long sequence. But you ever watch that sequence without any sound or music to it? It's just a bunch of people standing like this. They nod. R2-D2 does one of those blinky-looking things. And... C-3PO tilts his head three or four ways. But it, it's a four or five minute sequence where there's, if you watch it in the movie and without the sound on, it is just empty space. And my son likes to put that on Facebook, I don't know why. 
But what happens when you eliminate music from a culture? I just finished reading um, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. It certainly was a movie. Maybe you've seen the movie. I don't know if you've read the book, but it's something that came up. And I, you know, I haven't read this in a long time. So I put it in my reading list, and I just finished reading it last week. And Corey Ten Boom talks about her country, Holland, had been overtaken by the Nazis at the start of World War II. And the Nazis had outlawed Hollanders, Dutch people, from listening or singing the national anthem of, of Holland, of the Netherlands. Just think what would happen if you're forbidden to sing the Star Spangled Banner, tear it played. So Holland, under Nazi rule, is forbidden by the Nazis to play or listen to or sing the Dutch national anthem. We've got the Olympics going on. It's probably been played someplace in the Olympics this week. Corey Tenboom's nephew is named Peter, and he is the organist for their church. And at the end of the service, crowd, the large sanctuary, going to worship. Holland is under occupation. There's nothing, they can't go around freely, but they were still allowed to go to church. And her nephew, Peter, starts at the very end of the service playing the Dutch national anthem on the organ. To a person, every person in the room stood to sing the national anthem. It was on the second anniversary of that particular year when the Nazis had overtaken Holland. And Peter, at the organ behind a little alcove in that church, starts playing the national anthem. Three days later, Peter was arrested and imprisoned by the Nazis. The message was clear. Eliminate culture and identity. Eliminate their unity. Rob them of that. I mentioned Karen and I preaching at Mount Hope, and she's doing that now. But when we preach at Mount Hope, we, we sing the old hymns. And if you know the old hymns, believe it or not, Doug, that find us faithful is an old hymn now. <laughs> but the people at Mount Hope know those old hymns like the Dutch people knew their national anthem, even though they hadn't sung it for several years. Today we want to look at one of the songs in the Psalter, in the Psalms. It's a lament. Laments are generally re reflective. They often pour out grief in, in, in a form of consolation. You and I lament all the time. Who here has not been negatively or emotionally affected by the isolation of COVID these last year and a half? You cried out to God about it. When you did that, you were lamenting. Psalm 137, which we'll read in a few minutes, is a song about displacement, displacement and upheaval. Just taking COVID as an example for a moment. Something everyone here went through, whether you got COVID or not. I did. My wife did. Thankfully, it was not severe like some people have had it. But you felt displaced when your 
place of business shut down, when your school was closed, when the places you went to shop or frequent were restricting access in all kinds of ways. Some of you lost your jobs when COVID started. I know some of you did here in this room lost your jobs. You were displaced. You felt your life was on hold or in decline. Some of you had your physical health impacted. Some of you lost loved ones. My wife Karen, we lost our, her mom, my mother-in-law, to COVID just about 14 months ago, 15 months ago now. And Karen will tell you that she lost, when she lost her mom, she lost some of her sense of purpose. And part of the reason we moved back to this area was to help take care of her mom. Her mom's gone now. Her purpose, our purpose in part, was, is gone. What happens when your purpose is over or that you don't recognize your purpose anymore? You lament. What's your lament today? What's your... Where have you been displaced from physically or emotionally or socially or spiritually or relationally? You've been dis displaced in some manner, perhaps many, several, many of those areas. Perhaps things are going well for you and you have no reason to lament right now. Great, I'm, I'm excited for you. This will happen to you though at some point, if not today. Some of us here, and I will say this honestly, some of us here have been raised to think negatively, that if we think negatively about, about God, it's a sin, that, that we, can't, we can't be angry at God, we can't, because it's wrong. The negative thoughts are of the devil. Can I just stop here just for a moment and say, baloney? It's nonsense. Even Jesus wept. Even Jesus lamented while on the cross. Probably half the Psalms in the, in the book of Psalms have either are full laments or, or have portions of it that, that are laments. Some even call out for vengeance. When they've been, when the psalmist has felt broken, wants something returned to the evildoers, like what's been done to them. It's okay because God deals in honesty. I'm not saying God's going to have the vengeance that you're calling for, but. Telling God how you feel is part of lamenting. God, this hurts so bad. Even if I don't act on it, it just hurts. I wish this pain would go away. See if you recognize this famous lament. Let this cup pass from me. 
Now, it's not a song, but you probably recognize it's from Matthew 26, verse 39. Here, the whole sentence is, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I want, but what you want. Jesus was lamenting in his prayer before God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, the Son of Man, as well as the Son of God, had human emotions and humanly wanted out of the predicament that the cross was laying out before him. It wasn't a song, but it was just as much a lament. All right, we're going to read Psalm 137. Just read it with me when it's up here on the screen. There we go. Psalm 137, read it with me. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator, Happy shall they be who pay you back for what you've done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little and dash them against the rock. That's really nasty, that last line. Take, your, take their little ones and dash them against a rock. Hey, they're being honest. But you hear the emotional turmoil in that? We're going to come to the Namibian. Just, you can put the Namibian map up again. That's fine. But you hear the emotional turmoil in the psalmist? How can we be happy when we're forced to sing songs in a place where we're held captive? How can we sing songs in a place devoid of God's love when all we knew back there was God's love and now we're in this place and there's none of it? And you want us to sing to entertain you? to do our little ditty about Zion. Native peoples in Namibia have taken this psalm, and here's how they have reworded it in their culture. Namibia is down in southwest corner of South Africa. They're just west of South Africa. But the people in Namibia have, have changed it to read like this. We stop singing our beloved songs of liberation. Remember, Lord, what the oppressors did the day they turned us into refugees. Remember how they kept saying, let us destroy them completely. People in crisis saw Psalm 137 and they took it to, to heart. This is how it feels to us. Reluctantly singing of the greatness of home, when all around lack the presence of home. Sing us the songs of Zion. Singing the greatness of God when all around lacked the presence of God. But yet the psalmist doesn't want to forget the goodness of God. Let my right hand wither. 
let the tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I forget Jerusalem, if I, if I forget what God is like. The human side of remembering justice being served against Israel's enemies and, and that hope that Babylon would experience the same fate, dash their kids against the rocks. Let's be honest, the, the psalm ends with some hate speech. They are bitter. That's how they felt. Now, I don't believe God wants to destroy life, which is why the prophet Jeremiah, who is a contemporary of when this psalm is written, he writes about captivity in Babylon. Psalm 137 and the book of Jeremiah, they're, they're really about the same time frame. The psalmist instructs the exiles to pray for the place that they're carried off to as captives. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you feel like you're in a job that you're trapped in right now? You're in a predicament socially that's trapped, closing in on you. You're, you're in a physical predicament health-wise. Jeremiah says to pray. Pray for the business that you work for, that you feel like you have a dead-end job in. Pray for the circle of people that you feel like you're trapped in with. God wanted the people to look past hatred and seek something greater when they didn't feel it. Sermon series is called Nothing Lacking. I didn't, I didn't pick it. But God doesn't want us to lack anything here. Even when they felt like lamenting was all they could do because of their situation, God wanted something else for them. How many here know Jeremiah 29, 11? Bunch of you. Probably could quote it with me. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Great verse. Let's read it in context. Chapter 29, verse 1, then verse 4, a little bit longer. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests. The prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried off into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters and increase in number there. So they can have generations to go. Increase in number there so that they do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I'll come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future 
Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God desired something more for the Israelites in the place where they landed. Yes, they were lamenting their plot. But even in lament, even in the places that you feel like you are trapped or sidelined or set aside or can't move forward, even in those places, God has a plan for you and he has a message for you. Joseph landed in Egypt at the hands of his own brothers, had sold him off into slavery. Yet God helped Joseph persevere for good to result. And Joseph named his children born in Egypt, born out of his lamentable state. Hear what happened to Joseph, just a couple of verses. So before the years of famine came, Two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Do you believe that God can make you fruitful? even in the place of your suffering? Do do you believe that God can make your life and your circumstances bear fruit even when you feel like in a place that has no bearing of God whatsoever? How can God be in this? I I work in a hospital, chaplain, patient this week. Why is God doing this to me? What did I do wrong? Maybe you felt that. Maybe you are feeling that. Whether you're in this room or online or watching by TV from home or wherever you are. God can make us fruitful even in the places of our lives that seem fruitless. That message is for someone here today. I don't know who. I wonder if the psalmists, when they wrote Psalm 137, and they're asking, how can we sing the songs of God in Babylon? How can we, when our captors, our tormentors are forcing us to do this? I'm wondering if they're really misdirecting their anger and displacing it to the Babylonians when they're really asking God, God, how can we sing for you in this place? How can we do this, God? I started this sermon today with uh, my mother's favorite hymn, In My Heart There Rings a Melody. It was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter melody. It was a melody of love. You and I to have all the resources we need that we, so we lack nothing is we need to carry the song of God in our hearts. Sing it through your way to work. The way you address your coworkers, 
have it be the background of what's going on. The way you persevere in difficult circumstances. Don't let the world and its evils snatch that message from your life.